This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast Thursday. June 28th, this is podcast episode number 93 as we inch towards the Golden 100. Of course, it's brought to you by the great people at Bet Rivers and Bet Rivers uh, Media Network. A little later in the show, we're going to touch base with Todd Zalecki, covers the Phillies for MLB.com, and the Phil's currently on a hot streak. We'll talk about that in a second, but uh, let's start the podcast is what we started with all the time. It's called the current, some current things that are going on right now of note that you should know about. Let's start. Yes, this is the first time I think in the history of the podcast we are starting with the Flyers. And why not? It was the NHL draft last night. All right, it's not as exciting as the NBA draft. It's not as well produced on television. In fact, it's kind of awkward on television. But the Flyers picked high last night. Number seven pick in the draft, and they did go with the risky pick. Number seven pick in the draft, they took Matvai Mishkov. He is the Russian winger who is currently playing in Russia in the KHL. They're making comparisons to Malkin and Ovenskin with this kid. So here's the thing with the Flyers. You take a chance. Uh, the chances are he's not going to be playing for the team until at least 2026 for a variety of reasons. Number one, he's under contract in the KHL. Number two, we're in kind of another Cold War with Russia and that maniac dictator Putin, so we never know how that's going to work out. But the Flyers had to swing big, and they had to get talent. And so I, I applaud them for reaching out and getting this guy. If he could turn it into the next Ovechkin, then you've got a, a get, get this, a Russian player playing for the Flyers who could be a superstar. Like, that, the whole world is going upside down now. But this is the kind of new thought process, which... I have to appreciate. So they get Matt uh, Matt by Mitchkoff with the seventh pick. And then with the 22nd pick, they had two first-round picks. This is the new direction they're going in. Want to stock with younger talent. They take, at number 22, defenseman Oliver Bonk. Now, if the Bonk name is familiar to you people who follow hockey, that's because he is the son of of Radic Bonk, who played 10 years in the NHL. I remember Radic. Um, he uh, came from the now disbanded Czechoslovakia. He had a long career in the NHL. And you can tell that Radic became Americanized because, frankly, he named his kid Oliver. All right? That's the tip-off. When a guy comes here, if a, foreign, a foreigner comes here, they start naming their kids American names. So Oliver Bonk, who's father's Czechoslovakian, is the 22nd pick, uh, and he's a defenseman, and uh, he's supposed to be highly touted as well. So so there you go, uh, Radic Bonk and, and his son. Now, um, the, the kid spent a lot wouldn't of time— Oliver be more of a British uh, I'm sorry, name? Darren, what? Wouldn't, wouldn't Oliver be more of a British name? Well, whatever. It's not a Czechoslovakian name is my point. All right? So so he's here. Now, Now he grew up a lot in Nashville. Radabach played for the Nashville Predators for, for a, a long time. So, uh, And it's unusual because he said when he was drafted in the interview that he said he, he doesn't know much about the Flyers. Now, uh, he doesn't know much about the Flyers organization, I should add, uh, which is interesting to me, which is an indication to me the Flyers have fallen off the map, right? He does, He's not that familiar with the Flyers because they haven't won in a really long time, I'm guessing. So, uh, listen, he's a young kid. He doesn't really know what to say. So here's what his quote was. He said, uh, I just saw that they work hard. Uh, they they get their work boots on. <laughs> Now, is that not the typical hockey response? 
Like, this kid will fit right in a hockey locker room, a colorless hockey rock locker because that's all they say. We're going to need to work hard. Uh, so, good. I'm, I'm having a little fun. Uh, Flyer fans are out there. You always got to find a way to pee on the Flyers. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. I'm having a little fun here. So, Oliver Bonk and Matt Fly Mishkov are the Flyers draft picks in the first round. And, and that's a good sign. All right? So, there you go. We start with the Flyers on the current. And now, now let's go to an amazing thing that happened in baseball last night. A perfect game was thrown. Domingo Herman of the Yankees. Now, they beat the A's 11 nothing, And I know people are going to say, well, he beat the A's through a perfect game. A perfect game is a perfect game. It's very rare. It doesn't happen a lot. Now, this is the same Domingo Herman who suspended earlier this year for 10 games for having sticky substance on his hands. Um, so he comes back, and, and he got shelled in his last start. And he comes back, and he throws a perfect game. And a perfect game in this day and age where, listen, it it's so easy to walk a guy. It's so easy to give up a hard-hit ground ball that turns into an error. It's pretty amazing that in this day and age, a guy can throw a perfect game. So my tip my baseball cap to Domingo Herman. It's the first perfecto since Felix Hernandez did it for the Mariners in August of 2012. It's only the 24th in Major League Baseball history, and it's uh, the fourth in Yankee history. All right, so Darren, let me bring you in. Can you name one of the previous three Yankees who have thrown a perfect game? Oh, geez. Prob- no. Um, Clemens. No. Clemens has not thrown it. But the most firm, famous Yankee perfect game was thrown in the World Series. Oh, yeah. Mr. Baseball. That was Don Larson and yeah. Yogi Berra, the great, the great clip of Yogi Berra leaping into his, uh, his, his body. Um, all right, so... Don Larson did the first one. And then David Cohn had a perfect for the Yankees. And then David Wells threw a perfect game for the Yankees, if you remember. So now I got to start thinking about Dominican pitchers, because Herman is from the Dominican Republic. And I got to thinking about, well, Pedro Martinez ever throw a perfect game? The answer is technically he did, but did not. Here's what happened. He's a 23-year-old pitcher for the Montreal Expos. On June 3rd, 1995, he threw nine innings of perfect baseball against the Padres in a scoreless 0-0 game, all right? So they had to go into extra innings. They had to go into the 10th. Pedro goes out for the 10th inning and gives up a hit in the 10th inning. Now, Montreal wins the game, but Pedro technically did not get credited with a perfect game. All right, so then I want to step further. Hmm, Dominican pitchers. There's no question in my mind that Pedro Martinez is the greatest Dominican pitcher of all time. Who would be on the top five list? And my baseball brain started clicking. When I was a little Mikey Miss, I liked the San Francisco Giants because they had Willie Mays. He captivated my time. I thought he was like just a breathtaking baseball player as a kid. And they also had a right-handed Dominican pitcher on that team who had a high leg kick, and his name was Juan Marichal. So Juan Marichal gets the second slot. Then I go to number three, Bartolo Colon. That's right, the heavy set Bartolo Colon, who pitched a million years in baseball, gets the third spot. And then, interestingly enough, number four on the list for me, it would be Jose Rio, who pitched for the Cincinnati Reds, who happens to be the son-in-law of Juan Marichal. How about that? And then five, Joaquin Andujar, that nutty, that nutbag who pitched for the Houston Astros and the St. Louis Cardinals. Joaquin Andujar is number five, right? There you go. That's the five all-time Dominican starting pitchers in my baseball history. Strong list. Oh, that is a strong list, isn't it? And if you go to the relief pitchers, one of the top relief pitchers you're going to find from the Dominican pitch for the Phillies. Who is it? I, I don't know. Jose Mesa. Ah, Joe Table. That's right. Joe Table <laughs> had to be on that top 10 list. All right. So now let's get into the Phillies. As uh, they beat the Cubs again last night and they're rolling. June's been a good month to them. 17 of the last 22 they have won. 
And uh, and the man who's really fueling this, and I got to say, this is coming as a complete surprise to me. And I know a lot of people predicted he was going to have a comeback year. But Darren and I were both at spring training, and we were looking at this guy going, man, there's something missing with this dude. He looked unhappy, looked miserable. He, did, he was arguing on the telephone with somebody, and he was away from his teammates. His swing looked like crap. But um, Nick Castellanos is having an all-star season. It's really crazy. Uh, he went two for five again last night, had a home run and a double. He's now hitting 314. He's got 35 extra base hits. Ten of those are home runs, and he's a lock uh, for the all-star uh, team, I think, to be selected by uh, the managers or the committee who selects the extras. He won't start. Uh, but Nick Castellanos is having a great year. So he's like he's going to be an all-star and probably comeback player of the year if he keeps this up. And the Phillies are kind of rolling. They're starting rotation, and although Nola was okay last, less than five innings, but their starting rotation, as we gave you the stats on Tuesday's podcast, are looking really good. Now, on the downside, the downside, the lone downside, and it's not really a downside. Bryce Harper, he's playing winning baseball, but he is now homerless in his last 27 games. That's 122 plate appearances. Without a home run. I thought he had one in his bag last night in Wrigley, but he did not. Uh, and, uh, you know, now they're analyzing his swing. <laughs> it's amazing how they, well, his bat, his bat speed is, is good. He, his, his exit velocity off the bat is good. He's just not the launch angle is off, is what they're saying. His launch angle is off. So um, yeah, I stop at the launch angle. Crap. Yeah, well, the launch angle apparently is off, not lifting the ball to get it out. So, that, I mean, that's. That's problematic because he's got to be he's got to hit some home runs uh, for the Phillies. But the Phillies are rolling. So there you go. That was the current. We went with the Flyers and the draft. We went with the perfect game last night into the Phillies. And now let's talk more baseball. It's the Mike Yusinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All righty. We just lauded the Phillies. Now let's bring in the man who covers the squad. For MLB.com, and we've had him on the podcast before, long-time cover of Phillies baseball, currently in smoky Chicago with the Phils. Todd Zalecki joins us. What's up, Zoe? How you doing? Good. How are you? How are you doing? Fantastic. So what, first of all, what's the smoke effect like? Because now we're starting to get a little, I'm looking outside and I get a little smoky here in Philadelphia. So what's, what's the weather conditions like out there with the Canadian wildfires? Well, well, you know, on, on Tuesday, it was uh, I was checking out this air quality index website and it was at 258 and it was pretty bad. And then uh, somebody said, yeah, it was in the 300s in Philly a few weeks ago when they postponed that game uh, last night. It was better. And uh, so hopefully it stays that way today. But it was still in the 200s, you know, not exactly the best, uh, but they played through it through two games. I know uh, they've taken some a little bit of heat for it, I guess. But uh, it, and this sounds weird because obviously it's not good air quality, but it was way better than it was in Philly. So I was telling people in Chicago, like, yeah, it was, you know, you guys don't know how bad it can get. You know, I was kind of bragging about how bad we had it a few weeks ago, <laughs> which is a weird brag. <laughs> it's a total weird brag. It was a, pop, it pop, a high pop fly in last night's game, and Bohm's looking up and the, the ball's in the smoke. I, I don't know how. How he tracked that thing, right? That that ball was in the smoke, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, it's funny because Brandon Marsh was talking about that on Tuesday night. He said uh, there were a couple times when the ball went into the smoke that you did lose it for a split second. So uh, <laughs> something that you didn't really think you'd have to worry about as a baseball player this season that's now becoming a, a thing that the Phillies are chasing around the country. All right, so the air quality is good enough right now to play baseball yeah. and for you to actually cover baseball and walk outside in Chicago. It is. Yeah. Although they did, they did. <laughs> they did, I don't know if I should say this. They had the press box windows closed last night. So we didn't have to deal with the smoke. So we were protected more than most. <laughs> All right. We, we seem to be cutting out a little bit. So ha- have patience with us here. Uh, uh, Zell has a connection in Chicago. The right. smoke I think is interfering with the connection. So ho- hopefully we got, we got enough of that. So let's get right into it and talk, talk Philly baseball. 17 of their last 22 now uh, seem to be really finding a groove. June comes along. They find a groove. They have the same record as they had at this time last year. I think it's even one game better. So uh, how do you assess what they are right now? 
Well, I think they're certainly showing their potential more. Um, you know, the offense is starting, and I say that in that the offense is starting to pick up. You know, they're seeing a little bit more production offensively. They're not definitely not where they need to be. But I think the biggest thing for this team right now is that the starting pitching finally got their act together. You know, they expected to have a good rotation this season, led by Wheeler with however you want to order them, Nola, Suarez, and Walker. And I think over this run since June 2nd, when they were seven under, I believe, they've got the Phillies rotation as an ERA just over two. And Zach Wheeler's pitched really well for a couple months. Ranger Suarez has a 1.35 ERA in his last six starts. Taiwan Walker has a 1.71 ERA in his last seven starts. You know, Nola's kind of an enigma. He hasn't pitched great, but he has pitched deep into games almost every game other than last night at, at Wrigley. He had a he had like 13 consecutive starts of six-plus innings, uh, despite not having like the best ERA and best overall numbers, but there's like a long-term carryover effect there for the bullpen. So, you know, in, in a sense, even though he hasn't pitched great, he has pitched effectively and, and might be saving some bullets for the bullpen, you know, in, in September and October if they get there. Yeah, Walker and, and Suarez have really stabilized it. I, I don't think anybody saw this come from Walker after watching a pitch earlier this year. And Nebraska was getting hammered for actually going out and acquiring him. So what what has he found? I I think what has happened with Taiwan is some he's made some mechanical adjustments, but he also has talked a lot about uh, being more athletic in between starts and. The, this is the first time I've ever heard a pitcher say this, but he's like, when I was with the Mets, I would go out and I would take ground balls and maybe shag some fly balls during batting practice. And uh, just to kind of stay loose and stay moving around. And and he's actually credited that. I don't know how much of a factor that is, but uh, his velocity certainly over these last seven starts has jumped up quite a bit. And when you're throwing your four seamer harder uh, and you're throwing your splitter harder, uh, it's that much more effective. So, you know, that the splitter for him is his money pitch and he, he really can't throw that pitch enough. And with a little bit more velocity on it, a little bit more sharp drop, uh, that, that, that to me has really been the difference maker for him. That's really interesting. The athletic part of this. So, so him running around shagging and taking ground balls, he claims is helping him. Now, I don't think that that was the methodology of Roy Halladay, right? The, the great right-hander who you did a book, a great book on. Uh, he, he he didn't do it that no, way, right? Definitely, Roy definitely did not go out and take ground balls. Roy was more of a workout in, in the gym, run run five miles in between starts. Uh, but, yeah, that's what, that's what was funny because I remember there was one of the post games right at the beginning of this run he's on. He said that. I said, <laughs> And I said, so let me get this straight. You're going to keep going out in between starts and like catching ground balls at first base and fielding, you know, uh, catching throws from the the infielders during infield practice in between starts. He's like, yeah, I'm I'm planning on keeping doing keeping doing that. So whether there's a real physical benefit or whether it's a mental benefit, uh, hey, it's working for him right now. Yeah. It doesn't really matter in baseball. There's a fine line between the physical and the mental. Uh, you know, wearing the same socks is like a physical thing to to a lot of players because uh, it's such a weird sport. Uh, but let, let's look now at um, the downside of this. If there is a downside, uh, Harper's not hitting home runs, and uh, he looks really frustrated. I haven't seen him throw stuff. Like he's throwing and, and like, I actually think that kind of stuff is beneath him, but I think it points out the frustration that he wants to hit the ball out of the ballpark. What are you seeing with that right now? I, I see the same thing that you see. I see a guy that's very frustrated. It kind of reminds me of like early September of last year when, when he was in a, in a funk, you know, he, he's not really good at hiding his frustrations. Like you said, he's not, he's not throwing his helmet. He's not breaking any bats. But you can see kind of the, the, the disgust in his, in his eyes when, when he's rolling over on a pitch or he's swinging and missing so badly on, on a breaking ball. And I, I think what he has seen since he came back, which he has never seen before, is a ridiculously low number of fastballs. Um, he is getting almost no fastballs. In fact, 
I looked this number up a couple days ago, so it's changed a little bit, but not that much. Overall, he's seeing fewer than 50% fastballs. His career low, I think, was last year. He was like at 54% fastballs. But against lefties, it's even worse. He's seeing under 40% fastballs against lefties. And both of those numbers overall and against lefties is like bottom five, bottom six in all qualified hitters in baseball. So almost nobody in baseball sees fewer fastballs right now than Bryce Harper. And he's kind of caught himself in some situations where it might be a fastball count. And so he's gearing up for a fastball and they still throw him a breaking ball. And and then you see him kind of swing and miss through it. So he's got to kind of try to figure that out. Um, you know, and, and it's not easy to do because everybody's like, well, he's, he's not hitting for power because maybe it's the elbow. I, I don't think it's the elbow. I just think that he's getting pitched like he's, he's never been pitched before. And, and it's really frustrating him. Yeah, it's kind of strange to me because he's such a, a, a adaptable hitter that you would think, okay, they're they're throwing me breaking stuff, so I got a gear for breaking stuff, and uh, you know I can hit the ball to to left center as well as anybody on those curveballs. The lefties are throwing them, so uh, it's very weird that he's not adjusting to that. It yeah, it, it 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 is just because it has gone on for so long. You know, I can't remember the last time he's hit a home run. I know it's it's one of the longest homerless droughts of his career, and I think no matter what Bryce says, you know, he's, he's still like getting on base. He's walking, he's getting some hits here and there, but he wants to hit home runs. He knows he's paid big money to hit home runs. And, um, and that's the thing is, so I, I think almost as, as try as much as he tries to kind of maybe rein himself in and just take what's given him. I think deep down, he's like, I really want to hit a bomb here. <laughs> so sometimes he just can't help us. I mean, you see how hard he swings. He swings ridiculously hard sometimes. And, and, it, and it does not, it just doesn't look good when it's a, um, you know, you think it's a fastball count. It's like a three, one pitch and he gears up for a fastball and it's a, it's a slider low and away and he swings and misses through it. Uh, they were talking Todd Zalecki covers the, the Phillies for MLB.com. Uh, so let me uh, just bring this one point up because, uh, you know, Philly fans love Philly Rob, Rob Thompson, the manager. But the, he is frustrating a great number of fans if you if you follow social media with his uh, proclivity to hold fast to this. Uh, let's throw a right hander in there and not have Marsh and Stott in the lineup sometime. And it's making people crazy. Now, he did it again last night, and he said that, like, these things are planned, like, like 10 days in advance. He wants to give guys notice. But, you know, like, Marsh is finding a groove, and Stott is uh, a legitimate 300 hitter right now. Um, is this the right thing? Mean, is this managing by rote, or, or is this, you know, should he be changing his thought process at all? I certainly, I think in the case of Stott, he, he deserves to be out there a little bit more. You know, he's, he's such a, um, you know, he's got that great two strike approach really in all, in all counts. And I, I think he's earning more playing time. I think what Rob is trying to do is, is keep these other guys involved a little bit. So if they are needed, they're not totally, they haven't just been sitting on an, on, you know, on the sidelines for, for a few weeks. Um, Brandon Marsh, it, it's interesting. I kind of I, I kind of go back to some stuff that Charlie Manuel did back in the day, if there was ever like a platoon type of situation or whatever. And, you know, Marsh has torn the cover off the ball for six straight games against right-handed starters. And then he sits last night. And so everybody, yeah, I, I saw it on my Twitter feed. What the hell is this guy doing? Why is he not playing Marsh? I And I totally get it. But I asked Rob this pregame, I said, is this kind of one of those situations as well where Marsh was, he was in a terrible, terrible slump for about a month. I mean, brutal slump for about a month. And then now he's starting to pick it back up. I said, is it almost one of these things where he's going so good against the righty, you don't want to mess him up one game against the lefty. So you just give him a day off, you put Pache out there, and then you roll him back out there for the righties. He said, yeah, there's... There's some of that to it as well. Now, people might disagree with that. And I don't even know if I agree with it, but I think there's sometimes there's some of that as he's just getting started again, Brandon Marsh. He's just getting rolling again. So if he faces a tough lefty, not that Drew Smiley is a world beater, of course, but does that mess him up? 
So maybe throw Pache out there, get keep him keep him in the game, keep him active, and uh, you know keep the be- the bench as well rounded as you possibly can keep it. Uh, all right, last thing: um, the, the Castellanos phenomenon. Now I was there early in spring training. He didn't look that great to me, and he looked kind of like miserable. Uh, <laughs> what what has happened here with this guy that has made him you know basically an all star player? Well, he's he's certainly made some mechanical adjustments uh, with his swing, uh, but he really keeps going back to the fact that he is more comfortable in his surroundings this season. He's happier. He's uh, he's in, he's in, he's enjoy he's enjoying his surroundings more than he had uh, last season. I asked him about it last night. I said because Mike, yeah, same thing in spring training. I went up to his first day and I start I started talking to him about. 2021, he goes, honestly, baseball was a job to me last year. I was not having any fun. I was miserable. I was pissed off. And so I, I brought that back up to him last night. I said, you know, in February, he said, this was a job and you weren't having any fun. I said, are you having fun now? He said, yeah. And he, he brought up the same thing. He said, I'm just more comfortable in my surroundings. I like where I'm at. I love my teammates. And, um, and I asked him about the all-star game, you know, would it mean something to make the all-star team if, you know, knowing how bad you were last year. And he said, honestly, if we can just get on a roll team-wise before the break, he said, I'll enjoy my all-star break either way. So, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of it with, with Nick is mental. And he's a he's he's still a huge free swinger. I mean, you still see him chase a lot of breaking balls out the strike zone. He still swings and misses a lot. But the big difference there here is, when he's making contact this season, he's hitting the ball way harder and he's hitting the ball more consistently. So, you know, you still see a lot of swing and miss, but when he is do- hitting the ball, especially fastballs, he's doing a lot of damage. Todd Zalecki, um, thanks for joining us from, from Chicago. And uh, like when you go out, no deep breaths, all right? Short breaths. I've got my inhaler with me. Right. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> thanks for coming on, Todd. We really appreciate it. Talk to you up the road. Thanks. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All righty. Thanks to Todd Zalecki for joining us. And we apologize for the uh, interruption in the audio. We got some, uh, some, some internet problems, which I, I have a lot to think to do with the, the smoke in Chicago. It's smoky out there. And it's smoky here. So I, we're back with this Canadian wildfire stuff. But it is time now for Mike Unleashed. All right, let, let's start Mike Unleashed with uh, a, kind of a sad story. It's a... It's a news story that dropped yesterday. Former uh, NFL quarterback and uh, former Arkansas quarterback and Michigan quarterback Ryan Mallett drowns in Florida uh, in the Gulf of Mexico area near the Panhandle. And at first they were saying it was riptides and it was unsafe conditions. But today, uh, the word comes out that it, no, there wasn't any riptides. Uh, and he was trying to swim to some sandbar or something. And I, I don't know what happened with the situation, but a 35 year old guy who was just a great athlete, strong athlete who was now coaching in high school after his career at Arkansas. And, you know, he played a few games in the NFL. He didn't really uh, uh, light it up, but he did fill in for a couple of teams. Uh, so Ryan, had a very uh, shocking story for a guy that young and uh, losing his life uh, swimming. So uh, condolences to, Everybody who knew Ryan Mallett and a lot of teammates spoke out on social media about what a good guy he was. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's move on with Mike Unleashed and, and get into some um, uh, wild and wacky stuff today at Mike Unleashed. We're going to go all over the place today. So let's start with we'll football, but let's start with uh, a story that has nothing to do with football. It has something to do with, uh, with the love story of a football player. And uh, I go to uh, Braxton Berrios. Well, you know who he is. He's uh, one of those. Uh, he's one of those Caucasian slot receivers in the NFL, in, in the mode of uh, you know the 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 Wes Welker, Cole Beasley, uh, Cooper Cup situation. You know, you're all you're always going to find a little white dude, uh, and Braxton Barry's good looking kid too. Um, so um, he's got these high profile ladies that he likes to roll with, and his former girlfriend was Sophia Copo. Now, her sister, um, uh, Olivia Copo, happened to be uh, a Miss Universe, who's now engaged to 
Christian McCaffrey. But Sophia Coppo is the younger sister. And uh, he was dating her, and it was a big breakup between Braxton and Sophia. And he kind of played it out yesterday on, uh, I don't know why people do this, Instagram Live, uh, the Instagram stories. Uh, and he, he plays it out because he's now dating another woman. And, um, you know, listen, this happens. He's a 27-year-old good-looking kid. Uh, I don't know what happened with uh, Sophia, but he's dating a woman named uh, Alex, uh, spelled A-L-I-X. Um, Earl, E-A-R-L-E. Uh, I, I looked at her picture. She's a beautiful 22-year-old, but she describes herself, or she is described as a TikTok star and a social media influencer. Now, I got to bring Darren in on this because I'm trying to figure out what it takes. What is a social media influencer and what does it take to be one? Can you shed some light on this? What is a social media influence? Because it seems that everybody can can now it's it's anybody can invent themselves as a position of a social media influencer. What are they influencing? You ask me like, like so you got to remember, I'm 48, but I have the brain of like an 88 year old guy. Like I'm really old school when it comes to a lot of things. All I can think of the graying of a celebrity or, or what someone is popular for in the world has is just I can't I don't get it. I don't get it. I know these influencers are someone that basically makes videos of themselves and touts certain ways of life, whether it be clothing, food, music, whatever, and people like what they have to say. It is a beyond it is amazing to me. Some of these young kids make millions of dollars doing this. They get advertising. I, listen, I I mean I, I like to keep keep myself fairly hip and i know uh, of that many people describe themselves as an influencer but um like i i don't understand the concept of influencing so i guess right like, I wonder, I wonder, mike what do you do i'm an influencer yeah. i'm gonna inf- i'm an influencer i do it i'm, I'm trying to influence right here in the pocket can i call myself an influencer please don't <laughs> please do not no I, you know what it is it's just somebody who has doesn't really have a whole lot of talent but just likes to give their opinions for whatever reason. Those well, it's me. That's exactly me. <laughs> so we've not, not a lot of talent who likes to give their opinions. <laughs> I am now describing myself as a freaking influencer, whether you like it or not. All right. All right. Go. Let's move on to number two here on Mike Unleashed. Oh, you got to pay attention. This is for guys. Now, I didn't really know this was going on, but I read a story yesterday. Uh, the latest sensation for men are penile filler injections, which enlarge the winky. What? Yes. Uh, you, you, uh, you, they are, now it's called, uh, there are filler injections that men are getting in their, in their penis. It's an injection of, of hyaluronic acid, and it will increase the size of your willy. Uh, in fact, they call it the H-bomb. Uh, it's the shot. Now, so, and, and there are these franchises that are popping up for this, and and apparently you can you can expand you can go from small to extra large depending on how many treatments you want. Um, these treatments last more than a year. You gain a half inch per session. Uh, it's it costs eleven thousand to twenty thousand for a full round uh, of these uh, of these shots, and it's like ten to twenty syringes of this hyaluronic acid. Now let me just because uh, I'm reading a story and they quote a guy. They protect his last name. He, he, he t- uh, talked in uh, a- a- anonymity. His name is Carlos M. Car- As Carlos M says about the procedure, I feel like I'm holding a baseball bat. <laughs> That's what Carlos M says. And, and the story, I'll just read the story. The story says he tacked on a whopping one and a half inches to his tallywhacker. Let me tell you something. For the people, I like you know. I don't. I'm I'm perfectly content with my size. Uh, yeah, I'm I not a bragger, but I'm sorry. Guys. I happen to be through that. I happen to be an Italian man. But if if I was looking for, I, I would do this in a second if I had the cash. Because let's face it, ten to twelve. You can say whatever you want about size not mattering. It does matter. So like if I'm walking around and I'm I'm an I'm an inchworm, I'm headed to the clinic. I got news for you. 
All no right. shot. Even, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm good. But like 10 to 12 needles? No. No. Out. You got to hit him. <laughs> All right. So there you go. He added an inch and a half to his tallywhacker. All right. Let's move on to number three here on Mike Unleashed. Tallywhacker is a great um, word, by the way. I love that. It is really, it's a great word. Now, Sarah Walsh, I was a big fan of Sarah Walsh when she was at ESPN. Now she does, uh, I don't know what she does. Uh, she filled in an NFL network. Yeah, she's, not she was talking about, she's a, uh, a, a, like a sideline reporter or whatnot. Yeah, and I remember she was a full-time uh, person. That She was a former soccer player, uh, college soccer player. Um, you know, very athletic-looking girl. She, she's married to a former uh, baseball player. Um, and I assume that she got on board with this kind of a rant because women are very irritated. And I do this from personal experience about men playing golf because it takes a really long time. See, here's the thing. And I I love women and this is not supposed to be a shot at women, but women do not understand the time commitment of a round of golf. They, They just don't have any, any understanding nor tolerance for it. It's, it's a long day. It's a six and a half hour day because of the things that uh, uh, you, you, go, you go early, you go to the range, you play the round, which is going to take four hours and a half. And then afterwards, here's the thing that women don't understand. Afterwards, it's almost a requirement that you go into the, into the, the, the joint, the locker house or wherever, and you have a beer with the buddies that you just played with. It's part of the ritual of playing golf. And so women do not understand the time commitment. And men always get a lot of crap. And listen, I'm a single guy, but I hear a lot of married guys. They have, they're all my, I got I to gotta get home. My wife's going to kill. And, and it's like they, they're always pressing the, the clock when, when it comes to golf. And so Sarah Walsh uh, <laughs> kind of ripped golf uh, for, for this. And I assume she's ripping her husband. That's what I think she's doing here. With this, she said, um, it, it takes it's an hour, it, it's not a four hour situation, it's an hour and a half because you, you go an hour and a half early before tea time, so you can go to the range and pretend you're a pro, and then it's four and a half hours if you're lucky, and then you grab food and a drink afterwards. He said, You can run a marathon in less than it takes you to play around the golf. Um, so let's hear from Sarah Walsh. Here's what she actually had to say about it. Time now for a segment I'm calling a forward with Sarah. Four. Yeah, because there's just been a lot of talk in the studio this week. It's the grumbling about seeking permission from the significant other and being given a hard time because you just want to play a simple round of golf with your buddies. But I just want to put this in perspective, the other side of that equation, the one in which you come to us with utterly unrealistic promises that can never be fulfilled, starting with this real unplayable lie. You are not going golfing, and it's just going to take three and a half hours. You know how I know that? Because not once in your history of golfing has a round ever taken three and a half hours. Not once. And it's not because the group in front of you plays slow, and it's not because they had a dude in jean shorts with the 20 handicap. First of all, it is because your round of golf starts an hour earlier than your tee time so that you can get on the range, so that you can find your swing, because somewhere in the recess of your brain, you think that you have a shot to get on tour. Wow. It's because after your four-and-a-half-hour round, if you're lucky, it's not your fault, but your boy Chad, who got you on the course, forces you to go grab food with him at the club grill after. And I get it. You're starving. You know why you're starving? You've been there all day. Also, don't complain about having to take a call from your wife when you're on the course. You know why? Because I'm not interrupting. That's I know for Mike. Someone's That's... laughing on this desk, and this is where I got it from. Not allowed on the course. I wasn't going to call Mike G out for this, but now I am. You know what, Mike? <laughs> your wife is not interrupting your 60-minute massage and your only hour of peace in the day. You're gone all day. Stuff comes up. I can't find the TV remote. I don't know what you What's do. What's the Hulu login? Exactly. Got that one. We yesterday. need answers, Mike G. <laughs> Where's the car? When you do come Where's home. Where's the car? Got that one, too. When you come home seven hours later and I say, hey, how did it go? I never hear, man, I'm getting better. I only hear you're working on some things and you're close. And the only thing that's close to happening is me hiding those clubs where they're never going to be found again. 
<laughs> Here's another thing. How much golf gear do you guys need? Because I'm not talking about the shirts and the pants or the golf shoes. I'm talking about the random Amazon packages that show up that I know I didn't order. They're the ones that measure your launch stats. Yeah. Because just because you are buying gadgets to train speed doesn't mean you're about to be Roy McElroy. And stop telling me that the addition that the house really needs is a golf simulator. Yes. Because if I thought that simulator was going to pay for itself by putting you on the PGA Tour, I would buy you the simulator myself. Get a less time-consuming hobby, like watching The Real Housewives. You know why? Episodes are only an hour. I can fast-forward through the commercials. You can't speed past the group in front of you or those shots on the rough. You know what takes less time than a round of golf? <laughs> Practically any other sport. You can watch a basketball game, a soccer game, a hockey game, most Sundays a football game. You can run a marathon in less time than it takes for you and your boys to play around. It takes the International Space Station. Let me just, let me just bring this all back. It takes the International Space Station 90 minutes to orbit around the Earth. It takes you 90 minutes to shoot six over through the first six holes. My favorite line is that the, uh, the International Space Station goes around the Earth in 90 minutes. <laughs> it's great. Uh, it's really good. All right, she so that, 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 was, that was Sarah's views on golf. And she's not wrong. It's just, but here's the thing. I go, okay, with couples, like, I, I'm not anybody to be giving advice to. But but I kind of can because I look, I'm like outside the whole thing. I'm not instant. So I observe. And I go, I don't understand why couples just go, okay, that's something he likes to do. That's something she likes to do. And be tolerant of it. Now, there are a lot of things that women like to do that men really don't vibe with, but they go, okay, well, if that's her thing, then it's her thing. I, I don't know what it could be. I mean, maybe antiquing or whatever. Uh, but but God, it's like, just give the guy, all right, it's going to take six and a half hours. Just give him that day. It makes him happier. Just like it would make you happier to go somewhere by yourself or whatever. And that's my that's my advice for the couples for today. Uh, all right, let's go. Uh, let's go to Las Vegas. Um, this is a, a mind boggling story. See, when you go to Las Vegas, nothing good can come from it financially. You're going to lose your ass no matter what you try to do or try to like uh, con yourself into thinking you're going to be a big winner. Eventually, it's going to drain you and you're not going to come back with anything. So usually when that happens, you can't get enough of it because at the airport, before you get on the freaking plane, there's a long, several rows of slot machines that you can play. So your final chance at winnings, right? So you take a shot, whatever's going to go. First of all, I don't understand slot machines. I've never played them. I don't get them. People are addicted to them. But this guy, before he gets on the plane, plays a slot machine, and he hits for a million three. The ultimate prize home. It's like, Mike, you got to be kidding me. My trip to Vegas yielded nothing. I get to the airport, get ready to go on the airplane. I throw a quarter at slot machine or a dollar, whatever he did. I hit the $1.3 million jackpot. Your views on that? I I would turn around and go right back. <laughs> Stay another week. <laughs> I'm not leaving. That's like the Cena Casino where the guy lost a million in it and the, and oh no, the guy took him for a couple million and, and they they made the, the the plane be on the fritz and they brought him back in and he wound up losing his ass again, right? Because you know that happened. I don't, Don, Don Rickles. I don't. I don't know what happened to these airplanes. They're so unpredictable. Never gets off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, all right. So, congratulations to that dude in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas airport, hit for a million three. All right. Let's go now to um, Tobias Harris. I, I haven't brought up the Sixers in this podcast, so let, let's just say that James Harden has until uh, just a few hours left when this po- you listen to this podcast. A couple hours after, he's got to decide whether he's going to opt out. My prediction is he's going to opt out and then try to sign some kind of a longer-term deal with anybody. And so the Harden saga goes on. But Tobias Harris was interviewed uh, yesterday. Um, they caught him at, at some kind of a, uh, an event. And uh, he made the statement that, uh, well, you know, these, these, these Philadelphia, these average Philadelphia fans would trade me for a crumble cookie. And he's obviously disgruntled that he doesn't get respect. And his father came out the week before and had something to say. Uh, and, and But here's the thing what did to me. I read the quote, and I go, oh, damn it. I'm really in a mood for a crumble cookie. Now, there happens to be one down the street from me. So I get in my car, and I roar down the crumble cookies and get myself a four-pack for $16, by the way, the four-pack oh, is. Yeah. My daughter a crumble cookie. Are you a crumble cookie fan? 
Uh, they're okay. They're not great. By the way, he's an investor in Crumble Cookie. Who is Tobias? Tobias. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. He's a, he's oh, okay. Well, guess what? Like, guess what? I, inv- I invested. As soon as I heard him say that, I go, son of a bitch. I'm really in a mood for a crumble cookie now. I had nothing to do with what he said, right? I was, I was yeah. in the cookie mode. Yeah. So I grabbed myself a, a couple of peanut butter chocolate joints, a one chocolate, and uh, a chocolate chip. And I still got like. I got half a cookie left. I, I, but I was in you know, as soon as you brought it up, I go, man, I'm really in the mood for one of those. So right down the street, conveniently for me, is a crumble cookie. All right. Next let's time stay you're over here food. by me, there's a place called Maria's Mom's Cookies right in town here in Marlton, Mike. I'll bring you over there. Maria's Mom's that. Cookies? Maria's Mom's right here in Marlton. You'll love yeah. it. Yeah. Well, what's, what's Maria do? Well, I, Maria's, uh, Maria, uh, she sells. Maria, Maria's Mom cooks and Maria sells. I don't oh, know. really? Okay, I don't really know. Why can't Why can't Maria Junior get her ass in the, in the kitchen and start cooking? There Maria's mom's cookers cook, cooking the cookies. Mom to work. All right, uh, let's stay with the food theme here. This is the last thing I'll talk about on uh, Mike Unleashed for today. Um, I have discovered another food fraud. I, I'm I'm like I'm a big shopper, and I you know I I try things from time to time, and so I bought the other day. This bag of Orida five minute fries. Usually I buy real potatoes. I'll make my own home fries or mashed potatoes or whatever. But I was in the mood for like a, a chicken cheesesteak and, and and my own fries. My so I get the five minute fry. I go, oh, this is great. It, quick. Got them in my here, freezer. Here, here wh- <laughs> I what, got them here. What is you do? What is the problem with the five minute fry? They're I don't I they're always dry. I, I was, and they're kind no, of they're trivial. not dry. They're, they're fine. What is the logistical problem with the five-minute fry? I, w- I want the people listening to this podcast to play at home. I want you to think this out, okay? It says in the bag, five-minute fries, which gives you the indication, boy, it's really quick to get some fries in the oven. Boom, have some fries, right? I don't remember them ever taking five minutes, so they take longer than that. Why? Why do they take longer than five minutes? Okay, I'm going to tell you why. I'll take the mystery out of it. The instructions are you have to heat your oven to 450 before you put the fries in. Now, how long does it take an oven to heat the 450 degrees? Probably 10 minutes. 20. I timed it. (laughs) 18 to 20. So it's basically 25-minute fry. It's a fraud. (laughs) It's 25 minutes to get your fries. They got five-minute fries on the bag. That's that's right. uh, These are the type of things that are important to me, and that's why I included in Mike Unleashed. That's Fugazi at that time. Five-minute fries, your sister's ass. All right. Uh, all oh, right. Man. My dad used to say your sister's ass all the time to my mom. My mom would turn around and go, and your brother's balls. <laughs> all right. Well, there you go, folks. I hope you enjoyed Mike Unleashed for today. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Let's close it down and thank the great people at Bet Rivers. Again, if you don't download that Bet Rivers app, I don't know what, what you're doing. I got to be honest with you. It's so easy to download. You get the app on the phone. You can make any kind of bet that you want. You make bets in-game. You can cancel your bet if it's going bad. It's really the most convenient app possible. If you want to play casino games and drop 25 cents into a slot machine, you could and win a million three. You do that right on the Bet Rivers app also. Now, I've been telling you about the sound off premise. We have a leader in the clubhouse. We talked about sending me, uh, we used to do on the radio sound off where you would call voice line, you'd leave a message, and, uh, uh, and we would play them, and I would respond to each one of them. Well, I'm trying to do this in email form. My email that you send to is mike at mikemiss.com. Very easy. Mikemiss.com is my website where, by the way, I do a video blog every Friday. So there'll be one coming tomorrow on mikemiss.com. But the sound off premises, you send me an email in sound off form. And I've gotten a couple really good ones last week. I'm going to select a winner on our Tuesday podcast, and I am sending you a Mike Miss podcast hat. And I'm telling you, these hats are going to be the latest rage. It's got the Mike Miss podcast logo with the Bet Rivers on the side. It's in red. It's in beige. It's in all kinds of different colors. All you got to tell me is what color you want. I will send it to you personally, 
Uh, but all you got to do is send me uh, something that's going to get my interest in, in an email in the sound off form. And it doesn't matter what you're talking about. It could be sports. It could be life. It could be anything. It could be about your mother-in-law, for crying out loud. Uh, if it gets my attention, you're going to be the sound off winner of the week. And I'm going to send you a Mike Miss podcast hat. All right. So we do have a leader in the clubhouse. So now you got several days to, to, to outdo my man who's in the clubhouse with the lead with his sound off email. And you beat that. And uh, I will announce Tuesday who the winner is for that. Uh, OK, uh, an alert. I've got all this equipment that was uh, my engineer friend, Chris Gregory, came over. Uh, at the behest of Bet Rivers, and hooked up all this video equipment. We are going video soon on this podcast. The Mike Pinsley Podcast, you'll be able to see it on video. I've got the big ring lights here. I've got the camera looking at me. i got the overhead microphone working here. i got a monitor to my left. i got three other computers. It's going to be spectacular. And that is starting soon. I'm going to give you the alert for that. That's coming probably in the next uh, couple of weeks. So just stay tuned for that. We'll make the big announcement on when we go video. And again, you can uh, get me on Twitter at MikeMiss25. Follow me on Twitter, MikeMiss25. I'm always provocative. I'm always ballsy. I'm always pissing people off. People are calling me. One guy called me uh, because I blocked them. See, I block idiots. I give them their say, and then I retort. I give them one chance. And then if they're rude, I just block them. And uh, so he called me a pussy for blocking them. <laughs> no, I didn't block him yet. But because he called me a pussy, I blocked him. <laughs> All right. So as long as you're not rude, like I'll go back and forth with you. But uh, trust me, I love blocking people. So, uh, you know, just don't go over the top and be ignorant and, uh, you know, be an idiot. Uh, OK. Mike Miss 25 is Twitter. Uh, and Mike at Mike dot com is where you email me the sound off premises or tell me anything you have uh, that's on your mind. And we'll have a conversation about it. Uh, anything left, Aaron? We good? Uh, next week, we're going to have some fun. Mike Jarek from Good Day Philadelphia is going to join us, Mike. Oh, my old running mate, Mike Jarek. I'll tell you some, some uh, nights that uh, we, we ran together. The, the, the night York? we were at the ESPN party yeah. in New York City yeah. was, a, was a fun night. And that will regale, will regale you with all kinds of I've fun stories. stories that Mike, Mike is a, he, he likes to have fun, that he, Mike Jarek. Yeah, he's a, he's a good guy. I'll have some fun. It'll be, it'll be, uh, it'll be a body. Uh, uh, guest appearance by Mike Jarrett next week. So stay tuned for that. All right, everybody, have a great rest of the day. It's nice out, but it is kind of smoky. So, you know, uh, uh, choose your path out there carefully and have a great weekend, by the way. Fourth of July is, is coming up. So uh, whatever your plans are, be safe out there. I know travel's been murder at the airplanes at the delays and thunderstorms. So uh, uh, if you're just hanging here, having a barbecue with the family, that's good enough. All right, this is the Mike Maselli Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Mike Bissinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.